Good morning, Christ Prez. For the past several weeks, we've been going through Psalm 23, which many of us have memorized, but which I, at least, am really just beginning to learn by heart. I'm learning how to trust it, to live like it's true. Trusting it and living on the basis of it is easier said than done. And one reason for that is that some of David's claims here are rather extreme. So, for example, the very first verse, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, that's an extraordinary thing to say and to believe. He's saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I'll live a life that lacks nothing I really need. Nothing. That's extreme. Well, we looked at that three weeks ago. And then remember, the rest of the psalm is just elaborating on that basic truth. What does it mean to lack nothing? What does it mean to have everything we need? Well, for one, it means that we have a shepherd who leads us. And we need that. Sheep need that. Without a shepherd leading them, sheep don't do so well. Back in 2005, the BBC ran a story about um, about 1,500 unattended sheep who just followed each other, one after the other, right off a cliff. The first 400 died, and then because sheep are soft and fluffy, the next 1,100 had a bit of a cushion, and they survived. But this is what sheep do when they aren't led. They just wander around aimlessly, and sometimes right off the cliff. Our good shepherd leads us. We looked at that two weeks ago. And then last week, we looked at the reality that our good shepherd feeds us. Sheep don't feed themselves, and neither do we. But the Lord is our shepherd, and he's committed to nourishing us and sustaining us. A life without lack includes food, and our good shepherd provides it for us. So he leads us and he feeds us. And this morning, we'll look at a third aspect of what it means to have everything we need. It means that we have one who protects us who defends us. Kenneth Bailey was a New Testament scholar who spent his life teaching in Middle Eastern contexts. And in those settings, he observed a lot of shepherding. He noticed this, quote, sheep have a special problem. They have no defenses. Cats have teeth, claws, and speed. Dogs have their teeth and their speed. Horses can kick, bite, and run. Bears can claw, bite, and crush. Deer can run. But the sheep have no bite or claws and cannot outrun any serious predator. They can butt other sheep, but that ability will not protect them from a wolf or a bear. The sheep's only security is the shepherd. Close quote. The sheep's only security is the shepherd. Good shepherds provide security for their sheep. They protect their sheep. They defend their sheep. And I wonder... Do you feel that? Do you feel protected? Earlier I said that some of David's claims here are extreme. I have everything I need. That's extreme. Here's another one. I will fear no evil. That's extreme. He doesn't say he'll fear uh, some evil. He doesn't say that he'll reduce his level of fear. He doesn't say he'll fear only the really big bad stuff. He says that in light of the reality that he has a shepherd who protects him, he'll fear no evil. Translation, he won't be afraid of anything. Well, that maps onto your experience, right? 
not being afraid of anything? No, my guess is you have a fear or two. Dallas Willard writes this, quote, at the center of so many of our difficulties is fear, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of not being able to take care of ourselves in old age, fear of what may happen to our loved ones. There are so very many things to frighten us, close quote. Well, there are so very many things and we've gotten so used to living with these fears. What would it look like to be able to boldly and confidently declare with David, I will fear no evil. How could he say that? How can we say that? Well, we might think it works something like this. To the extent that we really embrace the Lord as our shepherd and to the extent that we really come under our shepherd's protection, well, then evil just won't come into our lives at all. Like, it won't be a part of our experience. I'll fear no evil because it can't touch me. It can't mess with me. It can't do me any harm. To the extent that I embrace the Lord as my shepherd and come under his protection, my life will go really well. Sickness? I don't need to fear that because I won't get sick. Rejection? I don't need to fear that because I won't ever be rejected. Failure? Well, how could I fail when the Lord is my shepherd? And so on. But no, remember David's experience. This is a man who encountered all kinds of evil and opposition and hardship and suffering. This is a man whose father-in-law attempted to murder him over and over again. This is a man who had to run for his life and live in a cave. This is a man whose children, well, let's just say they weren't always on their best behavior. And what about the evil within David? Remember, this is a man who broke like all the Ten Commandments in an afternoon or two. David knew that there is real darkness and evil that he had real enemies. Remember, we've already seen this within, the, within Psalm 23. Yes, the Lord leads us, but he leads us right through the deep, dark valley. Yes, the Lord feeds us, but he feeds us in the presence of our enemies. See, the Lord is my shepherd and evil is right here. I'm in the darkness. I'm surrounded by enemies. So when David says that, he will fear no evil. He can't mean that evil just won't be a part of his experience. He must mean that even though evil will be a regular part of his experience, he won't be afraid of it. It's not that he won't face it. It's that he'll face it without fear. I will fear no evil. How could he say that? And how can we? Let's talk about the rod and staff. These were shepherding tools used to protect the flock. David says that the Lord's rod and staff comfort him. Well, how so? The rod and staff signify protection both from external threats and from internal threats. The rod was basically a weapon. You know, sometimes wolves or bears or lions would try to attack the sheep. And the shepherd would use his rod to fend off these wild beasts Sometimes thieves would sneak in and try to steal a sheep or two. Again, the shepherd's rod could be used to fend off these kinds of attacks. So the rod was basically a defense against external threats. But external threats aren't the only kind of threats the sheep face. Recall that video of the sheep being rescued from the ditch 
and then immediately running and jumping headfirst right back into it. See, sometimes the biggest threat to a sheep is the sheep itself. And so the shepherd also has a staff. He doesn't use the staff to beat the sheep. He uses the staff to guide the sheep and to pull them back when they're in danger of walking off the cliff or diving into the ditch. When a sheep begins to stray from the flock, a good shepherd will use his staff to guide the sheep back. In fact, look at verse 3 again. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. One way to read this is as the direct result of the shepherd using his staff. In Hebrew, he restores my soul is literally, he brings back my life. Like, I was wandering off in the wrong direction. I was straying away, but the Lord has brought me back. And now he's leading me in the way I should go, paths of righteousness. See, this is a comfort, family. Not only are you defended from external threats, you're also defended from yourself. You see, you might be prone to wander and to leave the Lord you love, but he's not prone to leave you. He has his staff. So David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He protects me from external threats and he even protects me from myself. And that family is why you never sin and why no one ever sins against you. And it's why the devil never messes with you. And it's why you'll never die. Hmm. Uh, Maybe that's not right. David says, I will fear no evil. How could he say that? And how can we? You know, last week I said that you only have three enemies, three real enemies, three ultimate enemies, sin, death, and the devil. The Lord is our shepherd and he does protect us from these enemies. And he does protect us in such a way that we are really free to say with David, I fear no evil, but he doesn't protect us in such a way that we get to avoid or bypass the the evil. He leads us through the deep, dark valley, not around it. He prepares a table in the presence of our enemies, not with them comfortably at a distance. The key thing to see is that he's with us in all of it. The good shepherd never leaves his sheep, not ever. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Our good shepherd is with us in the depths. Call to mind some of the threats you face today, right now. Anxiety, depression, loneliness, cancer, unemployment, chronic pain, financial debt, broken relationships, injustice, betrayal. Jesus is standing with you as your good shepherd between you and them, promising to never leave. The New Testament has an amazing way of talking about this. Did you know that 
the Apostle Paul never uses the term Christians. Instead, he talks about people who are what? They're in Christ. They're united to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So if we were to ask Paul, how does Jesus, our good shepherd, protect us? I mean, I think that eventually Paul would say something like, he does it by uniting us with himself. He's not just with us. He's in us and we're in him. There's a unity between us and our good shepherd. The way the Lord protects us ultimately is by uniting us to Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? Well, I think I've shared this before. Some of you might remember. By the time I was in sixth grade, I had a shelf full of basketball trophies. And all of them were first place trophies. I was a basketball champion in elementary school. Year after year, my team would win the championship. The word dynasty comes to mind. I had a shelf full of first place trophies, but I was a really bad basketball player. (laughs) In fact, I literally didn't score a single point in a game during five seasons of play. I spent the majority of most games sitting on the bench. And at the end of each season, I'd come home with a big trophy for my shelf. Now, these were not trophies that I had stolen from other players. These were really my trophies. How? Because I was on the team. Because the accomplishments of the team counted for me by virtue of my being part of that group. What being on the team meant was that when the all-star fifth grader made the winning shot right at the buzzer, his victory counted for me. It was actually my victory because I was on the team. And, And something like that, I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but something like that is going on when scripture talks about our being united to Christ, our being in Christ. It means that we share in all that is Christ's. It means that his life and death and resurrection become the truest things about us. It means that his faithfulness is our faithfulness. His perfect love for God and others counts for us. His death is our death. His resurrection, our resurrection. Maybe a better analogy is marriage. This is the metaphor that Paul takes up in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he says, This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. When Libby and I got married, all that was mine became hers, books mostly, and all that was hers became mine. Paul says that this kind of whole life union is is a signpost pointing us to the reality of the union between Christ and those who trust in him. Listen to how Martin Luther reflects on this union. He writes, who can understand the riches of the glory of this grace? Hear this rich and divine Bridegroom Christ marries this poor, wicked harlot, redeems her from all evil, and adorns her with all his goodness. Her sins cannot now destroy her, since they are laid upon Christ and swallowed up by him. And she has that righteousness in Christ, her husband, of which she may boast as of her own, and which she can confidently display alongside her sins in the face of death and hell, and say, If I have sinned, yet my Christ, in whom I believe, has not sinned. 
and all his is mine, and all mine is his. All his is mine, and all mine is his. See, this is how our good shepherd protects us ultimately. This is how close he comes to be with us. It's nothing less than union with his very self. United to Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God, including your own sin. It's your sin that Christ has already made his own on the cross. Here's how writer Rankin Wilborn gets at some of the difference this makes when we are facing our enemies. He writes, quote, when you feel defeated and ensnared, like you are never going to get over this particular sin, habit, or hang up, when your enemy accuses you and your heart tells you to retreat in shame, you can rehearse and remember, I am in Christ. I am one for whom he died. The work of Christ sets you free from sin's penalty. So rather than turning away from God, you can turn toward Christ precisely when you might be tempted to hide from him. You can boldly approach his throne with confidence because you remember you are completely covered by Christ's righteousness. Close quote. Family, it really is true what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see how well protected you are? You will walk through the dark valley. Some of you are in it right now. You will continue to face the grim realities of your enemies, the sin out there in the world and the sin right there in your own heart. The devil will keep coming at you with his temptations and his accusations. And one day, as hard as it is to imagine, each one of us will come to an end and we will die and we will return to the dust. But fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Christ is your life. That's how completely your good shepherd protects you. Your real enemies are enemies that have already been defeated by him. And so let us learn to say with David, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear nothing. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.